of the tip sheet i'm your host john also known as 4020 and we've got a, a heck of an instant reaction podcast tonight and joining me as always for that is my good mate 60s 60s where do we begin with the the big boil over in the nation's capital mate mate oh look i think nobody expected that if you're an eel supporter you're probably feeling exactly like me absolutely over the moon I think that was a terrific win, and uh, let's get into unpacking some of the details of it. Yeah, so Parramatta 35 over the Canberra Raiders 10. Uh, for those that were following along the telecast, the Eels' first win in Canberra against Canberra since 2006. So 15 years that's been running that uh, unfortunate away streak uh, of losses, and they managed to break, uh, break it open in a big fashion. Um, and doing that, we saw Isaiah Papali'i get a double. He had a tremendous game alongside Mike Sevo, Sean Lane, Reed Money, and Quinton Gufferson. Mitchell Moses, very sharp off the boot, five from six. And he added a, a Sean Timmons-esque field goal. Absolutely blasted one of the ugliest kicks you've ever seen. Managed to get it to ricochet in. Uh, for the Raiders, Jordan Rappiner and George Williams scored. Jared Croker, one from two from the kicking tee. Uh, just running down the, the, the uh, team stats now. Uh, Eels dominated possession, 54 to 46%. Uh, time of possession similarly reflects that advantage. 30 minutes for Parramatta to 25 and a half for the Raiders. Eels very efficient with the ball in hand. 84% completion rate, 37 to 44. You love to see that. Uh, Raiders not terrible, but uh, definitely below the Eels at 74% with 29 and 39 sets. Uh, and, and as you'd expect, Eels dominate all attacking stats. They won uh, all runs, run meters, post-contact meters, line breaks, tackle breaks, average set distance and kick return meters. Uh, play to ball times between the two teams were almost identical uh, 0.01 of a second in it with the Raiders having an advantage over the Eels uh, Canberra offloaded more than the Eels which was a point of commentary tonight the Eels had a, a very focused game plan revolved around uh, highly uh, driven and sort of risk adverse play for the most part and they, they certainly succeeded in that capacity uh, going down now uh, tackling efficiency between both teams was very similar and then the, the, probably the big one that a lot of people are going to be talking about was the uh, negative plays category where the Canberra Raiders dominated. Uh, they led ruck infringements 2-1. to one. They led penalties 3-1, to one, uh, although they did concede more errors. And it, we'll get to the officiating short in a in a short section. We're not going to try and focus on it too much. But, uh, gee, there were some ordinary calls on the field today. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about play stats as we get to them, mate. Uh, but where do you want to start with this one? Because... In our preview, we both went for, uh, you know, probably the Canberra Raiders favoured. If the Eels going to win, it's going to be a narrow victory. I think I went 14 or 16 to 10, so I got one half of the scores right. But uh, the Eels just, they blew them off the park today. That was a tremendous team effort. Mate, what you actually had was a complete reversal of last week, mm -hmm. whereas there was no composure in last week's game. Today would have been the epitome of composure. The Eels' spine controlled the game. The, the middle was won and won convincingly, and the points came from that. So it was Rugby League 101. It was exactly what Parramatta need to do. It's what Parramatta does when they're playing their best football. And you could literally see that from the moment that the second half started and that we had uh, that domination, 
that that's when the ball just started to get a, a little bit of second phase play, a little bit of expansion. But I think the players get a big tick to being able to follow the game plan to a T. And obviously Brad Arthur's sent them out there with that goal of just eliminating the crap that we saw last week. And they, they followed that to the, as I said, to that, the T. That was a very fun game to watch from the couch. Uh, now, I credit to any Parramatta fan that made the trip down to Canberra. And I know that one of our mates, uh, Ham Sandwich, did. And he's uh, soaking it up very much as he deserves to. But yeah, from a telecast perspective, the, that was just a, a very uh, aesthetically pleasing game from the Eels. There was a couple of errors that obviously, you know, made you get a bit frustrated at times. I think Sean Lane butchered a certain try with that. That was an incredible pass from Junior Paulo, by the way. The the sleight of hand to, to for all intents and purposes, have the, the defense sell out on the ball to Will Smith. And, you know, he just glides it into Sean Lane's chest. Um, that would have been a try under the post of Quinton Gufferson looming up in support. But, yeah, that, that was a credit to the, the coaching staff. They had a, a very defined game plan um, that was anchored around Mitchell Moses being the dominant playmaker with Reed Marnie chiming in uh, when needed. And a credit to the players for going out there and executing against a very good Canberra outfit. Well, you pretty much have to say that every player played their role. Yes, there were a couple of moments of uh, drop ball from, uh, from Sean Lane. And yes, I've got a criticism of Sean in that there's often times where that short, clever ball's put to him and it's almost like his hands aren't quite ready for yeah. it or he thinks he's running a, a decoy line. But apart from that, you'd, you'd probably say he had a couple of other moments later in the game where he had the opportunity to make up for it. And he, it's fair, I think it's fair well, to he, say he, he, he featured on the positive side. He featured in probably one of the tries of the season. Yeah, uh, with yeah. the Eels playing that that try uh, was very reminiscent against uh, was against the West Tigers in two thousand and nine, where we we scored through that from the same part. It started from the same part of the field, about 30, 40 minutes out in the left left hand side of the field, and a, a ridiculous sequence of offloads got the ball to the right uh, with uh, I think Jeff Robson throwing like the last pass and um, uh, and us scoring it. It was one of the iconic tries that 09 run, and that reminded me very much of that. That was beautiful interchange of ball play between passes and offloads that. Mitchell Moses inside out cutout pass on the run to Will Smith, who caught it in one hand, adjusts and gets it back inside to support. Who then links up uh, for Sean Lane to go over. Uh, just yeah, beautiful play. You, you love that. That is the that that's part of the adage of, of Brad Arthur's coaching or the the sort of the 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 theme of Brad Arthur's coaching about having good structure play. But if there is something heads up to, to uh, take advantage of, you play it, and that's what they did. Oh yeah, you you've. You've got to have that good transition from structured to unstructured play. That's playing a bit of para footy when they start to get into that unstructured play. And, uh, yeah, look, he's always been a coach that's been prepared to back his players who um, will, you know, to, to play what they see in front of them. But, of course, the adage is always, if it doesn't work out, you better defend your error. Yeah, absolutely. And tonight we saw pretty much relentless defence. And uh, Parramatta bought the power game and the Raiders weren't able to go with them. When uh, probably pre-game, you were thinking that the Raiders had everything to play for. They're at home. They're in front of a very big, very vocal home crowd. They're coming off a game against the Panthers where they were probably slighted by um, some of the carry-on from 
um, the the Panthers in winning that game. So you would have thought there'd be a bit of a bounce back factor, uh, much the same as the Eels had their own bounce back factor that they were aiming for. Yeah, and that's but, why on paper it loomed as such a crazy matchup. And yet the the Eels did so well. They got the early points. Canberra hit back on the back of a, a one of the worst calls you're going to see all year. Uh, I don't know how you sugarcoat the forward pass call that Casey Badger stood her ground and marked, and it was overruled by uh, Cummings. Was it was Cummings the man yeah. official this game? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was just a, a great game. And you know you, you can't credit the players enough for that because they played 80 minutes of quality football. Uh, the starters had to do a lot of work because we had two relatively small stints off the bench. Um, Wiramu Greg made his NRL debut, and he was very good for his uh, 14 minutes that he was on. He had a, a great support of Reed Marnie and a couple of good carries. Uh, but um, between him and Bryce Cartwright, Bryce only got five minutes this week and obviously a heavily dialed back role after last week. So we, we leaned heavily on the starting 13, and they carried the load magnificently. Yeah, and as I said, the you look at it and you go, Pretty much everyone played the role that they needed to play. Um, Look, I thought defensively it was quite superb. I thought they took the energy completely out of the Raiders. Hodgson, Whiten, completely nullified. Uh, Caleb Akins, who's a pretty handy backup fullback, was not a factor. Uh, You know, a couple of their forwards had, you know, the odd decent run, which is to be expected because Canberra are a very good team. But the Eels completely dictated the pace of this game. Okay, so let's... Let's talk about some of the, the basics that you get in a win like that where we're talking about Rugby League 101. Um, completions. How were our completion rates there? Yeah, well, like I said in the start, the Eels did have a, a good advantage there. Uh, 84% to Canberra's 74%, so you got 10 percentage points of difference. So Canberra not by any means having a bad game completion rate, but the Eels... Right in that, you hear coaches say when you're above 80%, you're always going to be right in the thick of the contest. And unless you're the Canterbury uh, Bulldogs, who in recent years have had uh, 90 plus percent in some games and been absolutely hammered because of the way they've played. But for Parramatta tonight, that 84%, 37 from 44, is right in that, that uh, KPI range of what the coaches be, you know, in the preview saying, boys, we need to get this. You know, we need to be 80 plus percent against this team. And that's going to give us the, you know, put our foot right in the door to compete and take the game by the scruff of the neck. And they did it. Yep, okay. So, big tick there. The kicking game and the kick chase. Your well, thoughts there? Well, Mitchell Moses, he's probably going to get free daily end points. There's, there's a couple other players that will compete. Reed Marnie had a very good game. Azai Papali'i had an outstanding game. So, they'll be in the mix. But if, if you had to break this down from a film perspective, uh, when they go back and look at this game, the, what Mitchell Moses did with his long kicking game was just phenomenal. Uh, from the, the opening clearing kick that forced an error from uh, Jordan Rappiner to uh, every other kick from there on from halfway or beyond, he was consistently getting that ball to fall within three metres of the goal line and, and not with like a flat trajectory so the, the kick return has plenty of time to get un, uh, under momentum. He was getting height, length and hang time. That, that perfect combination for the kick chase for that, to allow the Eels to dominate field position and that was consistent throughout the entire night and, and to augment that you had Reed Money jumping in from dummy half and drilling the ball flat towards the sidelines when needed and it was just such a great one too um, in terms of the long kicking game yeah I, I think if um, if we had Joey Grimer here to uh, oh, give it a score that's right he talks about those scores out of 10 or, or 5 and 5 for execution and, and the selection um, the Eels would have scored very strongly throughout the course of the night yeah and 
uh, you mentioned the kick chase there. That was, um, well, a kick's only as good as it's. Yeah, chased. I mean, it, it's a, it's, it's very, you know, Captain Obvious. But that rugby league truism is how you win games. A, you know, a great kick and a great chase get you so far ahead in the contest in that arm wrestle and allow you to control the flow of the game and allow you to be attacking in defense, which is what you want to do. You want to be teeing off. You want to try and bash up the opposition team. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you look at the other aspect of the game, which is uh, chances created. I think it's fair to say that the um, the chances created were all pretty much created by one team. Yes, the Raiders got themselves a couple of tries, but apart from that, it the Eels' defence was such that they pretty much shut out anything that the Raiders were trying to put on. And we, we so, even saw Blake Ferguson actually sticking to his man and making a great cover, a, a great tries having tackles as a result. So just structurally, the defence was very good outside of those early moments. Yeah, it, it's it was probably as close to a complete performance as you would get, and especially on the road down in Canberra, it would be hard to ask for much. No. The, the, and obviously the coaching staff will have to find criticisms because you don't tell the boys they played a perfect game. But they, they'd have to be privately very happy. That was just to, almost to a T what they would have laid out in the game plan and how they, you know, you'd want to try and exploit a team as good as the Canberra Raiders because they don't lose by double digits very often. They don't lose by 20-plus, if at all. It, it happens so rarely, so full credit to the team for that. Yes. Um, <coughs> oh, excuse me. There, That's okay. um, bit of a bit of a cough there, everyone. Uh, one of the things that stood out for me as well was and I'm going to come back to composure, but I want to relate it as well to energy because I think sometimes there's a fine line between having good energy and having a bit too much energy. Mm-hmm. Where where it's counter counterproductive. You, yeah, if you have too much energy and you are you are almost burning yourself out. You're throwing everything. It, it's almost like there's there's a, a hectic quality about the play. And I thought that Parramatta found that sweet spot where they had terrific energy, but it was again it was composed. It was it, there there wasn't any sort of um, no one was overplaying their hand. No one was trying to push something yeah, that and, just wasn't and, on. And it wasn't like it was mundane playmaking. They were taking their shots, but they, they weren't overplaying their hand. It was like just beautifully balanced within what the game was offering and what they were trying to take. And you know that, that balance of reading the game and then executing at a high level is how you, you run away with games like that. Yeah, and also sometimes I think when you've got too much energy and you have people... Um, fighting in the tackles, uh, like really fighting in the tackles and, and struggling. That's where you start to get errors. You're trying to play the ball too fast. Mm-hmm. You're, you're struggling with the defenders. Um, yeah, it was just a good composed uh, performance from the Eels. So we've talked about the uh, the team on a macro level. Let's uh, focus on the individuals now because there were a lot of quality performances. We, we mentioned Mitchell Motus in terms of kicking, but he did almost all the playmaking today. And like I said, augmented by Reed Marnie and Quinton Gufferson. But with no Dylan Brown, we said in the preview that Mitchell Moses needed to step up and take responsibility of the team. And he did that uh, like without any like doubts. No questions about his game that he dominated that game. 
uh, running the ball, passing, kicking, uh, just marshalling his team. He was in everything. So we're going to agree on three points in um, if we were giving out a 3-2-1 to Mitch Moses. I think you, you, in a game that was run that smoothly and, and, and through one man, even if there were other players that had phenomenal games like Papali'i, it, it's a disservice to the amount of work that Mitchell Moses was doing on and off the ball not to give him the three points, yeah. Yeah. And then, yes, yes, the, the award does cater towards playmakers because of that, but Mitchell Moses 100% deserves those three points tonight. Okay, now you've mentioned... Papa Lee, um, Ice, as he refers to himself as Para Papa, as I like to call him. <laughs> um, would you be thinking he's in line for the two, or yeah. have you got someone else in the Look, spine in mind there? Reed Marnie, right in the mix, uh, and on another night he could have got three points. He was his scheming. We, I, I feel like we're making a lot of callbacks today, but um, the the growth of his attacking game in twenty twenty one. And that was like the big area of criticism that we've had with Reid in the past. Not from a junior's perspective where he was very dynamic, but in the NRL, it's taken him a little bit of time to find his feet and get full control of his attacking repertoire. But the amount of scheming, the, the, the darts, the passes, the kicks, he is just putting so much pressure on the opposition team and putting so much pressure on rep selectors at the moment. He has just been killing it. And like I said, in another game, he probably gets three points, let alone two. Yeah, my view on that was that... He was, he played, it was last week, it was almost like there were moments where he was trying to, where he overplayed yeah. his yeah. hand a couple of times. Yeah, he could, he could feel the game to, slipping away from Parramatta, yeah, and tried to force the way back into the game uh, by taking, you know, a shortcut for the big play, and, you know, it's what, what transpired, transpired. Yeah, there was even, there was even a moment where, and again, this isn't, um, this isn't a criticism of, effort because he was busting his gut but it was it was like it was as i said the the energy was almost too high there, there was a game a moment last week where he charged out of dummy half to put pressure on the first receiver who just um cut the ball back inside and that was what opened up the gap for the uh penalty try mm. to be scored so um but this week as you said it was um he it was a game where he was probably deserving of man of the match. I've, gee, I find it hard to separate at this point. If, um, if I had to give the two, though, I'm going to go to Papali'i because it, he made a statement at the start of that game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Who, who we, in the NRL trucks Josh Papali'i? And like he, he just he steamrolled him. He left him on the ground. He bounced off the ground and and was left cursing himself because he got dominated. Yeah. If you if you talk about setting a trend for the match at the start of the game, then he's he's basically said to the Parramatta team, "Come with me in this one." Uh, absolutely, he he's been a revelation this year. He's the difference between his best and his worst game is uh, I'd almost say it's he's either an eight or a nine out of ten. Yeah, that's, he, that's his model, he is the model of consistency despite being deployed in multiple different capacities uh, in, in the course of the same game as well. Like against Melbourne, he was playing middle and then Ryan Madison cops the cheap shot and he has to go to edge. And, you know, throughout the rest of the season, he's been bouncing between middle and edge and he doesn't care. He just goes out there and not only does he do his business, he dominates. And it, it, it leads us to circle back to how did New Zealand let this guy go? Like they, he fell into our lap. Yeah. Mate, just, 
as I as as yourself and other people who were familiar with my preseason training reports, he created an impression from the first training session all the way through the preseason. I made the call that he he was one of the stars of the preseason. I, that I couldn't understand how he was allowed to let go. That he has all bases covered, and and this is this is just making a call off what I was seeing in during the preseason. But I, I, I if people could actually imagine translating what he's doing, doing it the reverse way, right? Translating what he's doing on the football field in a game and working backwards and imagining what he was producing on the training field to make to make that sort of impression. That, that's the only way I can describe it, is mm. that it was impossible to ignore him out there. You just looked at him and went, man, this bloke is going to make a statement this year, and that's exactly what he's done. Now, just back on that, I, I look, I, I have him as well for my two points, and then I can't separate... I can't separate Reed Marnie and Guffo because yeah, Guff, you, Guffo had a very good game. Um, three three how, three line break assists, two try assists. By the way, on top of a casual 146 meters. So you know he and we know that Guffo is often the uh, the sort of the, the wide fulcrum for our attack. Like he is often the last pass for tries. But tonight he was just heavily involved in cover uh, in in support play in cover play. Uh, he was popping up everywhere and. Some of his runs in behind the ruck where he was uh, working in tandem with Reed Marnie were devastating against a, a fatiguing Canberra defense. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, um, I think there's many times where Guffo's standards, they're so high that people almost take it for granted and don't notice. Yeah. Well, you talked about, you talked about the difference between Papa's best and worst being like that eight or nine. And that's just quietly what Guffo's been about for years at Parramatta. You know, he last week he had a, a you know I'll say a bad game, and it's sort of that reflected on the team, right? But even then, it wasn't an awful game. It was just a by Guffo standards, it was a quiet game, and you know, it, and it sort of rubbed off on the team. But he is just so consistent, and and this team feeds off him so much. Yeah. Now, mate, before we start having um, just a, a little bit of a a look ahead in terms of. What happens when if Ryan Madison is able to play next week sort of scenario? Uh, is there any other takes that you've got from the match that you want to talk about? I mean, on an individual level, um, Ryan Niakore, outstanding once again. Um, he was getting stats off with like lots of impetus. He was tearing into the defensive line uh, you know, and just had a, a casual 141 metres from 12 carries You know, on, on top of a number of uh, tackle busts. Uh, and a couple of great uh, reads and tackles on Jared Croker, who was a very difficult uh, centre to mark. And he's a prolific try scorer for a reason, Jared. And he, he got nothing going against uh, Murata. So it was great to see Murata bounce back after the Dragons sort of uh, tried to isolate him a little bit last week. Uh, and then, you know, the whole forward pack I want to give a shout-out to. Uh, Will Smith didn't have to do much, but he didn't, you know, he didn't bring the team down. And that's what, when, when a guy has to step into a key role like that, that's what you want. They don't need to be a star. They just need to be the the grease around the wheel, and probably the his role in that uh, miraculous try from the Eels and his composure in that said a lot about how he is within the team. That he he 
can come in and fill that sort of role mm-hmm. and not feel as if he has to do something spectacular. Yes, sir. Um, I, I think that it wasn't a, a huge role, but kicking Hipgrave got his most expansive role uh, for the Eels in first grade to date. He got uh, 21 minutes off the bench and had eight runs for about 80 metres and got through about 18 to 20 tackles. So it's good. You know, he's had uh, a very limited role from the team before this. And it was good to see him put out uh, the sort of production requisite to the minutes uh, once they expanded his role there. So nice to see that. And that comes off the back of that strong reserve grade effort last week. Well, you can imagine the sort of stats that he would have returned if he was playing the the minutes that he played in the uh, Reggies last week. And look, he's he would have been asked to carry the ball as strongly as you can, make all your tackles. And what's he gone out there and done? Yeah, and the exactly. reason I want, the reason I want to give him a shout out, even though he didn't have a great game, is that he's attracted the ire of, of you know some fans because he hasn't been flashy, and you know it, it's been perhaps unfair because when you're given so few opportunities, it's sometimes hard to get the you know to get going. And we saw last week when he's playing 80 minutes a game, what he can do. And when we, we've spoken about this, when you see a, an NRL player go down the reserve grade, you want them to dominate, and that's what he did. He got his call up, and now he's done. You know, he might not feature next week because of a, an eventual bench reshuffle pending Madison's fitness, but you know that that was a good role job. You know, he's, well, I'd ask, I'd ask this: Would there be an ill supporter out there who would have concerns about him being part of the seventeen? I would say if you've got concerns about him being part of the seventeen, you haven't been watching his performances. Yeah. And, and the fact that he is a borderline selection on the bench, even with our injuries at the moment, speaks to how well-constructed our roster is at the mo- currently. We're, we're in yep. such a, a great spot to have someone like Keegan Hipgrave who could you know, feasibly start and be a, a strong contributor still, and yet he's, be, he's fighting to be in the 17 for us. Yep, yep. So, um, mate, you, you, you very briefly mentioned the refereeing. I, I personally... I, I feel like it's a game where I don't even want to mention. The, you don't, you don't, you don't want to sour the the afterglow of such a great win, but that was just dog shit. I like how do you say it nicely? That was dog shit. Starting from uh, a, a one of the most forward passes you're going to see all year that the touch judge actually marks and stops and ends up being thirty meters like off the field of like from the actual run of play because she has to catch up because it was a overcalled by the main ref to the, all the other forward passes that came out of dummy half, to the fact that the Eels were the dominant team in the ruck and, and had no looks in on six agains or penalties. We got our first penalty in, our own, uh, in the uh, 69th minute of the game, the 70th minute of the game, for what was probably the incorrect call because I felt that Michael Seaver probably knocked on there and then the Raiders got done for back chat. It, it was just a mess. Like, and I'm sure Raiders fans will have gripes about some of the calls that, that didn't go their way on the flip side. From a Parramatta perspective, just only, that was a mess. And I can even acknowledge that some of the calls that we did get were still terrible. So I, I don't know. And we, we've spoken about the refereeing problem insofar as that if you go and watch reserve grade games like we do and you go and watch junior games, you'll understand that the referees below them are not putting pressure on the incumbent NRL referees. But when you get a game like that, what, what are we going to get? We're going to get an apology from Annesley on, on Monday? We don't even get those as Parramatta. We, we usually just get it brushed aside. Last time Canberra threw a forward pass against us, that led to a try, which was the game that Gufferson kicked the field goal in. There was some hand waving as, as we saying, oh, maybe it was forwards, but you can't really tell from the angle. And the ball was like four metres forwards. Yeah, they, they they were showing that in the prelude to the game. So um, that it was a nasty reminder. But um, 
yeah, look, I must admit I was fuming at at, at some of those moments, and, and it, it just took was, the it took the shine off such a great contest because yeah, the Eels ran away with it, but for a, a good portion of that game, it was a great back and forth between two tremendous forward packs and some dy- uh, dynamic playmakers. Yeah, so. I suppose the positive that we take is that it didn't have any bearing on the results. So no. Um, so just moving ahead, then um, Ryan Madison, if he's fit for next week, does he? First of all, does he come back in the starting lineup? And secondly, um, if he comes back off the bench. How many minutes do you want to give him? Well, if we're picking our best players to start, I'm picking Ryan Madison, but I'm also picking Isaiah Papali'i. Uh, I, I know that Papa's done tremendous for us off the bench, but you look what he's doing as a starter now, and you can't in good conscience drop him. No, he's he's as good in the uh, 79th, 80th minute yeah. as he is at first. Tremendous motor. Uh, you know, whether it's been ball playing or, or steamrolling guys, he just does it with gusto. And you want to reward that sort of performance, and not just performance, performances. He's been, you know, tremendous from round one right through to round six. So, yeah, I, I pick him. I pick Ryan Madison pending his fitness. And then I, I look at the bench and I, I try and figure out who's going to be the most useful in the limited, like, because our starting pack plays so many minutes. You need to then find out not necessarily who's the best player for a long-term stint, but then who fits into those niche minutes. Because you look at our bench tonight, and we we played uh, 28 minutes, 21 minutes, 5 minutes, and and 14 minutes. So, you know, we're, we're barely getting like a, a game's worth of minutes out of the entire bench. You know what I mean? So, so, so looking at that, um, you'd, you'd still have to say that, those sorts of that sort of rotation in a game where we were going for a power forward game like tonight works perfectly. Yes, and that's why you know you have an NRL debutant in Wiramu Greg who filled his role tremendously. He he was told you only get you know ten to fifteen minutes, go in there and tee off, and that's what he did. Yep, yep. yep. So and and actually, uh, by the same token, I, I was quite pleased that he left. Um, Bryce Cartwright till the last five minutes. Well, that that's and what you spoke about is the the selective uh, enforcement of Bryce from the bench when the game calls for it. We need to chase a you know points and it's a team that is pressuring us. You can put Bryce in when we're dominating. You can leave him on the bench. Yeah, and and one of the reasons as well that I was that I was happy and people might that listen to that just then might be thinking that I didn't want him out there. I. I thought that it was the sort of game where we wanted him to get a little bit of confidence. And I thought a few minutes of just putting the ball under the arm, carrying it and running strongly was exactly what he needed in his second game. Mm-hmm. And um, and given that Parramatta had control of the game at the, by the time that he went on, I think it's... Uh, yeah, and, he, and also given that he had longer minutes the week before... I actually thought that that was the best way to handle the, his second week was get out there, have a few carries, um, you know, get that feel of the of the, of the game again, and uh, reset for next week. Yeah, so uh, 
really, really good team performance. So many great individual performances. And we mentioned him indirectly, but we haven't even spoken about Junior Paulo, Reagan Kemp, Gillard, and Nathan Brown directly. And, you know, all of them, 179 metres for Reg, 144 metres for Junior, 153 for Nathan Brown, on top of all the defensive work, on top of their promotion and playmaking uh, of the ball. I mean, those three are as good as any middle pairing or mid- middle triplet uh, in the NRL. And it is easy to take them for granted. Like, they're just that good, that consistent. Look, I think what you had tonight was you had a a good balance across the team. I, I've said this before, that when, when Parramatta's playing that sort of football, they're able to get... There's, a, there's just a nice balance in the team with the roles that they play. Um, as I said, I... We haven't we haven't mentioned much about Opacic. We haven't mentioned much about Sebo yeah, either. Opa, who had a couple of loose carries, but also set up a nice try for Gufferson at the end, made some yep. good defensive reads. And once again, he's doing the job that has been in task to him, not to be a star out wide, but to be the glue that holds that edge together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, before before we wrap things up, there, um, there were a couple of lower-grade games that were on today. Um, yeah, the, a pair of narrow losses for Parramatta, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, and both of them, unfortunately, we uh, allowed the opposition to come uh, from behind mm-hmm. in the second half to get the the victory. So, the uh, see the Jersey flag lost twenty eight fourteen to Manly after leading ten four at half time. So um, that was unfortunate, and uh, we also saw the um, New South Wales Cup team or the uh what's the name of the competition the knock on effect um, new south wales cup sorry what was that the The knock knock on on effect effect, yeah new south wales cup yeah so they had a uh an eight point loss to the raiders uh 30 to 22 and we're we're leading 16 12 at half time we're even leading 22 uh to 12 uh into the second half and uh unfortunately got run down with uh three raiders tries to on, the, on the positive side once again the young players starring a dunst the double followed by Solomon and Naiduki and Jacob Arthur getting on the board so even if they're losing it's a sort of loss that is very constructive it feels like oh look it's when you when you're seeing the names of the younger players featuring on the scoring sheet and I mean we didn't get we weren't able to get down there to uh, Canberra today but I'm sure we're going to get the feedback and we'll get to have a bit of a chat with Joey about um, what sort of messages come through uh, from the um, from the coaches. Um, I, I think as I tell you what they, they basic. I think I think even Joey said this before. These are the sorts of performances that we're going to need. We're going to expect from such a young reserve grade team is that they there will be um, ups and downs throughout the season. And and like we said in the preview. You look at that Canberra Raiders team, then it's no mugs. So, oh no, we were expecting a, a an extremely tough encounter for them um, down in Canberra against a, a squad that was had more than their share of NRL experience throughout it, mm-hmm. and players that we were quite surprised are being selected. Yeah, Harawira and Ayera, Horsburgh, Dynamis, Louis, like guys that are, are very much like you know NRL starting caliber players. And yet here they and, are languishing in reserve grade because of Canberra. Canberra, like the Eels, have a great setup at the moment. And yeah, it makes them a formidable reserve grade lineup. And the, the boys lost, but they really stuck it to them. Well, I wonder how many of those Canberra players that played at the New South Wales Cup today 
might end up getting a look in for the next uh, week for the Raiders. Mm, exactly. That's that's a couple of losses in a row to uh, to well, that's Penrith and Power. That's and there's the no shame now. in losing to those two teams. They're, you know, one's a NRL Grand Finals from 2020, and the other is a you know up and up contender. So obviously, two of the best teams. But yeah, you lose two like that, especially with the game against us at home, you end up copying a thrashing. You got to start looking around the, the depth, and so those guys had plenty to play for today. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting. It'll be uh, to see the team selections next week. But for uh, our wheels, mate, um, onwards and upwards. Uh, trip up to Darwin next week. Yeah, some. Um, they, it's a home game, but they're on the road a lot at the moment. A big trip to yeah, the capital. Home. Big trip to the Northern Territory, um, and they they are currently provisionally in third place. So they're just behind the Rabbitohs on four and against. Yes, so yeah. So they're 16 points behind the Rabbitohs. They can be caught by the Dragons on four and against if they win over the Warriors tomorrow. The Eels do hold a, uh, what is that, a 19-point four and against? Yeah, they, I think they're positive 19 on the rate, on the Canberra, oh my God, on the Dragons. Jeez. Uh, so if the Dragons win and by that margin or better, they obviously will jump ahead of the Eels. But yeah, so they're, they're still taking care of business. Uh, right where they want to be, uh, chasing the undefeated Panthers, who had a very uh, tight game against the the Brisbane Broncos, who could have very easily won that game, to be honest. So the competition is starting after uh, after that round uh, two weeks ago, where it was like complete blowouts across the board. All of a sudden, all the uh, little teams are, are rising up. Manly whooped the the Gold Coast Titans this weekend. Uh, we saw the Broncos nearly knock over the Panthers. The Knights and Sharks played a tight one. So and the West Tigers nearly got the Rabbitohs today. So and if you didn't see the end in any sequence of that game, it's one of the all-time hilarious like what the hell is going on moments as Tom Burgess scores, but did he knock on and Luke Brooks picks it up and races 100 meters to uh, plant the ball down and did he score? It's awarded a Tigers try, but on review and it turns out that Burgess got it down. So the NRL for all the uh, cries of inequity and and imbalance has uh, found a way to drag things back to a, a relatively level playing field this week. Yeah, so it, and in fact, it's it's probably I thought been the best round of football that we've had this yeah, year. Easily, uh, this has been this, compelling, this compelling viewing. I'm looking at this, except for the Seagulls game, which was a complete blowout with the return of Tom Tavoyevic and the Gold Coast Titans getting exposed somewhat for a lack of effort and some just defensive. Ugh, uh, I don't even you know don't even know where you start to break that one down. But the, that was I, I watched the Broncos game, the Knights game, the Roosters game. Uh, and the and the Tigers game all through, uh, and I, I switched off the uh, the Seagulls game and had a nap because it was just boring. But the the rest of them have been fantastic viewing. So love to have a round like that where uh, you don't know who's going to even if you think you know you know who's going to win on the tips going in. They, there's always upsets and close games, and you know it's just quality product for the NRL. And speaking of tips, just quietly, anyone that followed my uh, punting tip again in the preview uh, came up trumps. So I went for the over. 39 and a half total match points in the game. So the Eels, uh, with their uh, big score you, line, ended up you, uh, uh, you having, a, having a, a, a giggle at me, mate. In the preview, you're all about, nah, it's going to be a tight game, going to barely score 20-something points between the two teams. And on the on the preview, you're tipping the other way. What's going on? No, no, I said there'd be about, there might be about four points difference with the... Uh, uh, we, we've got a politician right here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, I, in fact, I, I made a point of not of uh, going for a betting option that didn't include tipping the winner. 
So I just had the feeling that it was going to be a uh, maybe a lot of tries and for both teams, but uh, the end result being close. So I went for that total match points of being over 39 and a half. But anyway, we move on. Parramatta travels up to Darwin, I believe, on Wednesday. Yeah, for their so return doing fixture. A few days up there, probably doing a, a few bits and pieces around in the Northern Territory as part of their sponsorship up there. And uh, for us, we'll have our, uh, our regular tip sheet podcast during the week. And um, I guess we hope people enjoyed us with our instant reaction to the game tonight, mate. Yeah, as always, leave a comment, um, you know, jump on the conversation on the website. You can give us a, a like and a plug on uh, SoundCloud if you want. Um, but yeah, we just appreciate how people listen and, and have people stop by the website and say hello because we know there's a lot of para fans out there and, and in a season like 2021 where there's so much to play for, we want to share it for as many people as possible. Yes, mate, uh, and a shout out to uh, the Cameron family from up in Queensland, Um Troy, who's the father there, he's a, I know he's a he's a follower of the Cumberland Throw and the Tip Sheet podcast, and him and his family came down to uh, watch Bank at Bank West last week. Unfortunately, the Eels couldn't deliver at Bank West, but he was he had a special night down there at uh, Eels training. Uh, him and the family, and uh, yeah, shout out to Troy there. Um, and, mate, I hope you enjoyed tonight and that you've enjoyed the listening to our podcast reaction. That's it. As always, guys, thanks for stopping by, and we will see you on the other side.